0: This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're juggling the baby and the books in episode number 137. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi y'all, it's Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com and today on the podcast we are going to chat a little bit about juggling a baby while you're also uh, studying, doing schoolwork and particularly I wanted to talk about uh, juggling a baby while you're also trying to do stuff that requires you to be in the field or, or like clinical type stuff because that's actually the position that I'm in right now. I've done a podcast before on working with a baby in tow, and you can probably get a lot of good information from that podcast as well, and so I'll link to that in the show notes. This one, I really wanted to to touch on some of my experiences um, with Life with Phoenix while while trying to go to midwifery school and while also doing clinicals for midwifery school, which is it's been really it's been really interesting. Um, I guess I'll start first of all, I wanted to tell y'all that I'm so excited that we've we've really had a lot of great podcasts. In the last few weeks, and we've got some more great ones coming up. I'm excited that we've had a couple interviews. I've got more interviews coming up. I'm especially excited that everybody seems to have really liked the interview that I did with Lily Nichols, which was two podcast episodes ago. That was episode 135. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. But several of you have already let me know that you got Lily's book and that it's really blessed you in your pregnancy. So if you're pregnant, Or if you're planning another pregnancy, definitely listen to that podcast. Uh, It's going to help you a lot to know what to eat and a great resource. Lily just, she really dispels a lot of myths and gives us the information that, uh, that I think a lot of women's wisdom has always known, but is especially being backed by science and research now. It's quite cutting edge. And for those of you who are research nerds, also extensively referenced information. So definitely check that out. Uh, otherwise, we can go ahead and jump into things today, and I'll I'll just start by sharing a little bit of what, what my journey has been with Phoenix. So when I first started doing active uh, clinical work was when Sadie was a toddler, so she was about 16 months old when I went to my first birth, and it was really quite relaxed and low-key because... I was only on for a couple of births a month, and at that time I wasn't doing a lot of office work because the midwife, my preceptor, so the midwife who is my supervising midwife, she wants students to do 10 births, just being on call for 10 births before she says, okay, you know, you're ready to jump into this full time and I'll take you on as a full apprentice. Because, uh, you know, living the on-call lifestyle is... It can really be quite difficult, and birth is oh amazing and wonderful, but it's not always glamorous. Sometimes it's schlepping bags around. Sometimes it's cleaning poop. Sometimes it's it's really hectic and in the middle of the night, and when you really wish that you were doing something else. So, anyways, um, that's you know that's how I started, and at that point, Sadie was a toddler, and I felt totally comfortable with leaving her when I went to a birth, um, and so I was a student midwife, um, actively went to births, I got I got my ten births within uh, about six months or so, maybe a little bit less. Um, I took some time off to fly down and visit my parents, because that was act- also the same year that that my mom had a stroke, so I took a little bit of time away from that. Um, And I also flew to a midwifery workshop for like beginning level apprentices, which was really good. But anyways, so uh, it took about six months to get those 10 births in. And then, you know, the rest is uh, the rest is kind of history. I felt called to the work and so I'm not surprised that it worked out. But after I hit those 10 births, I started doing office days. And so I would be in the office once a week and also attending home visits. That was another thing that I did even in the trial period was go to the home visits. Um, and then attending births. And I also started trying to go to at least one postpartum follow-up for each mom, like one of her in-home follow-ups, and then if possible be there for for her two-week and six-week follow-ups, which are in office for the practice that I'm a student in. I fall pregnant... Uh, shortly after, or right, really right about when all of that stuff was, was starting. Uh, so I was pregnant through a good part of my apprenticeship over the last year. And I stopped attending births actively when I was about a month, um, or, well actually probably about two months before Phoenix was born, simply because we didn't We had births the month before he was born, but we didn't have anybody who was due uh, in August, so two months before he was born. So I attended my last birth in July. We didn't have anybody due in August, and then in September, I had already planned not to be attending births when I was 36 plus weeks pregnant, which was definitely the right choice. And I took off... um, I had planned to take off three months from attending births and then also taking some time off from the clinicals and the way that it actually, Mm. like just doing prenatal days and stuff. And the way that it actually ended up working was I had my first primary client at that point and I missed one of her appointments because it was just days after Phoenix was born. But I came in for her appointment, which was a month later, so in November, Uh, and then I came in for her December appointment, and I did a couple home visits as well in December, but I decided that I didn't really want to be back in the office full time until the new year. And that was really nice that I had the luxury of saying I wanted to take it easy until that point. Another thing that's been really nice for me is that I can take Phoenix to the office days and also to the home visits. Um, So that has worked really well. And I've actually also taken him to some births. There was one family that decided they didn't want him at the birth. This was when he was three months old. Um, And I at that point wasn't willing to leave him for a birth. So I just opted out of of going to that birth, which I'm still really bummed to have missed that one. Um, Then we had some clients who were okay with him being there. I did take my 16-year-old daughter with me, which is a luxury that I have. um, And she took care of Phoenix in another part of the house while I assisted at the birth. And that was very helpful to me to not be worrying about him. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure that I would have been able to do it if he had had to be right with me because if he had gotten fussy like for example one of the births the mom wanted counter pressure almost continuously basically continuously and I was the one who did that and if he had been on my back he probably would have gotten fussy and been crying so I'm just not sure that it would have worked out so I'm really blessed that she was able to go with me and then um for birth that was closer that happened, um, in the evening, I had actually just nursed Phoenix down for bed. And so I just put him to bed and went to the birth and was home shortly after midnight. So Scott said he had woken up a couple times, but Scott was able to get him settled back to bed. And that worked really well. Um, and then for the other births that I'm on call for, I'm thinking I'll feel it out, but I'm thinking at this point for the most part, my hope is that I will be able to go to the birth, um, and just leave Phoenix at home. It's harder for me to think about births that are a little farther away and also for first-time mom births which tend to be a little bit longer. Fortunately my next birth is relatively close and it's a fourth time mom birth. Her last birth I was actually at that birth and it went pretty quickly so I feel pretty good about that one and then I don't really have to think about births for another six weeks really other than that birth uh, because I usually do two births a month still. So that's been my experience so far. It's worked very well for me to take Phoenix into the office. I realize that I'm in a pretty privileged position to have a preceptor who's open to that. If I wasn't able to take him into the office, you know, I'm not sure really what choice I would have made. There's a good possibility that I would say, okay, I'm going to just have to put midwifery on hold for six months, or at least the clinicals, which... I'm actually looking at a time deadline, so it makes that kind of scary, just because of the ways that laws and things are working in Michigan, where I really need to be done by a certain date, and so I have to get I have to get numbers in to be done by that date, and really it's the births that I need the numbers for because I can get prenatal numbers very easily because we have a pretty big a pretty large client load at the practice where I'm a student in, and so. You know, I can go in and sit on prenatal appointments all day long, day after day, if I needed to, and within a matter of weeks have those. But other times, um, other things like the births and newborn exams and that sort of thing are, are you know, they are they don't happen so often. You don't have so many of those things. So anyways, <clears throat> it has, um, you know, that's one thing that has really helped me uh, with, with the clinicals is that I could could take Phoenix with me, and also that I can do my clinicals just on one day, and I don't really have to worry about being there otherwise. I do have to worry about home visits, which are often on a different day. But for the most part, my schedule's pretty predictable um, when it comes to being in the office for, for prenatal and postpartum visits that are gonna happen in the office. Obviously for births, it's completely unpredictable, really. Uh, I can usually wager on I'm not going to get called for a birth in the mid-morning hours. But anything else is pretty much a safe bet. It it seems like moms don't tend to go into labor in the mid-morning hours. I've been called for one birth in the mid-morning hours so far. Um, But anyways, so I really feel like taking time off was essential to me, especially from clinicals. Um, I've talked to a friend. I had a friend who... Uh, she went back to work, so she's a nurse, and she went back to work, but at about twelve weeks or so with hers and talking to her was really helpful to me to just kind of get over my anxiety about even considering leaving Phoenix for the birth the 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 birth that I left him for was one of my primaries, which was one of the reasons why I wanted to leave him because i'm the I am the midwife at those births, and my preceptor is supervising me. Uh, so I really want to be able to give my 100% focus and attention. And even if Phoenix is in, you know, he's in a different place. Like if he's downstairs in the basement with Cassidy, so if I hear him cry, my attention is, is on him. So that was one of the reasons for the, you know, for thinking for my primaries, I really, you know, I need him to be home where I can think about him, but if he's crying, I can't hear it, um, yeah, but I needed to get to the place where I was ready for that. And like like I said, at three months, I just, when he was three months, I just, I wasn't really quite ready for that yet. Whereas now, as I'm recording this and this birth that just happened, he's about five months old now, and I feel better about that. He's, yeah, that's his opinion. I don't know if that was a, I was okay with that, or I really missed you, Mom, or or what what, what that comment was. You maybe can read into it. But anyways, so Phoenix, he's here with me while I'm recording this podcast, but w- my point of advice there is, especially if you're going to need to do clinical work or an internship or something of that nature, think about when that happens in the timeline with your with your child, because especially the younger they are, the more difficult it's going to be to do that component of your of your schooling is if you have to leave them, it's really, really hard. And so I would say if I were giving advice, put off the clinical component until they're three months old or six months old if you can. And even if you have classroom components where you can't take the baby to the classroom with you, I know sometimes um, there are professors who are okay with you taking the baby to the classroom. But if you can't take the baby to the classroom with you, then you might want to consider just doing like the bare minimum number of classes you can for that semester or for that trimester, however your school is divided up. And that way you only have to be away from your baby for a little bit of time to do those classes. If your classes tend to be like distance learning classes, like online classes like mine are, that's really nice because you can you can mute for the most part during the class, and nobody else can hear your baby there with you um and especially if you're not like video conferenced in, they can't see that you're in your pajamas and that your baby's still in pajamas and this, that, and the other. But yeah, so consider taking time off um, and uh and just you know going easy on yourself and respecting that that, that bond between you and your baby is really powerful. And you may need to get to the place where you're ready to do something different, even if you feel like your baby will be safe and well cared for. Um, know that it'll be hectic for me. Trying to sit down and do academic work can can be difficult. It's especially hard with the more tedious assignments where I'm really having to dig into a text um, or I'm having to fill out a chart. Like right now, I'm trying to fill out a chart and it just... It can be difficult. That part of things can be difficult because when you're a mom juggling a small baby or young children, like every minute of the day, somebody's going, mama, 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 somebody needs you. So really just being able to sit down and hammer out an assignment doesn't happen as easily. And especially if you're working or you're trying to balance active clinicals or something, that can be tough. And I think that it's important to to acknowledge that it can be tough. And I think that it's important that you go into it realizing that there are going to be things that I can do while my baby's asleep and there are going to be things that I can do while my baby's awake and I really shouldn't switch them around. For example, flashcards are something that you can probably do while your baby is awake. So you can make flashcards and go through those for terminology or... Uh, like for me, for rates and things like that, like respiratory rates and and all of that, or um, if you're studying conditions or anything, you know, anything that you need to have memorized um, in in your schooling, those sorts of things are things that you can do while the baby's up, because you know you can be quizzing yourself in a deck of flashcards or in a flashcard app on your phone while you're bouncing the baby or while you're walking with the baby or whatever. Another thing that I tend to like to do. This one is, I feel, easy with a baby. It's harder if you have a lot of older kids to keep track of who are going to be interrupting you. Um, But I find that if you need to watch like video recorded lectures or, or listen to audio lectures or something like that, doing that while your kids are awake can often help. Now, if it's something that's going to get really, really technical, like if you're listening to a mathematics lecture or something, that might not work. But if you're listening to another lecture where just taking light notes can work uh, that I find that, that that I can do when um, you know when I'm juggling Phoenix or even if the whole house is present, I have a hard time doing it because I just end up getting interrupted so many times. but if it's just my younger children, I can usually do that because I can get them set up with a toy like duplos or magnet blocks or something. Mm. And they will play and then I can juggle Phoenix while I watch and I I don't tend to get interrupted too much. So think about things like that that you can do while your baby is awake. Another thing to think about is while baby is awake, you could be up and about doing things like laundry and meal prep and that sort of thing that you can do with your baby in the carrier and then save hitting the books for when your baby is asleep. So just start thinking about that um, and think about like when in my day might I be able to get some real work done. So for me, it's during nap time. It's in the morning before my kids get up. Um, Another time for me, because Phoenix has kind of a a morning nap, is after I do a homeschool period with my, my older kids, because we do homeschool, then we're all sitting around the table, and the older ones are working on their own lessons. The younger ones are in the den playing, and Phoenix is napping. So that's another time that I can tend to get some bookwork done, and I personally like doing work during that time because I like the thought of my kids seeing me work diligently on my own academics while they're working on their academics. So that's another time that works for me. And you're going to look at your life and figure out, You know, when can you do that? Another thing that I like to do is I like to always have a book with me when I go out and about. Uh, Having a Kindle or a Kindle app or something on your phone can be really nice if one of those books is a Kindle book. Uh, Because then if you're standing in the line at the grocery store and it's really long, you can read a few pages. Or for me, on the days that I am in the office, sometimes we'll have a break. Either we'll have a client cancel an appointment or somebody will be running late. Or sometimes somebody will finish her appointment really early. And that leaves me with some time, and I like to just be able to pull out a book and make use of good use of that time. Um, Another reason why I really love Kindle books is where it wouldn't make sense to schlep around a huge textbook. You can often, you know, you can have a textbook on your Kindle, and there's something to be said for those huge, really like physical copy textbooks for sure. But there's also a lot to be said. For the fact that I can have an entire library of books in my pocket um, to reference when I need them, and also when I'm on the go, that's something else that's worked for me at births. Is um, and I think it'll work for me better when, especially when, when I'm at longer births. Another thing that I've done differently with like the the births that I did take Phoenix to is, I helped with a quick cleanup and stayed through the newborn exam, but I didn't stay as long as I normally would have. Um, if I hadn't had Phoenix with me. So that's another thing that as he gets older and I'm back like to being fully on the birth then, and I, for my primary I was, but for the ones where I'm just the third set of hands, the assist, I don't necessarily need to stay after that basic baby stuff has been done. But when I'm to the point where, where I am staying, um, you know, having a book that I can whip out if we're in a lull moment or something and I'm not needed, is that's a good thing. So that's another thing that I found really helpful. And and this is another place that flashcards can fit too, is like if you've got a flashcard app on your phone and you're in the checkout line at the grocery store, just flip through your flashcards. So yeah, realize that it will be hectic. Realize that you can uh, intelligently block your time and think about that sort of thing. I also think that sometimes having dedicated help can make a difference. So this can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, but if you really need some study hours, letting you know, letting your husband or your partner know, okay, I would really like to have a couple of study hours, I'm gonna nurse the baby right before this starts, and then I'm gonna go into this room and I'm gonna close the door, and I'm gonna work, and I'd like for you to take care of the baby. Sometimes grandmas might be up for that, especially if they're up for that on a regular schedule. So you know every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, grandma's going to help with the baby for a couple of hours. That's really nice. If you have older kids, teenagers like I do, you could offer to pay them for a little bit of that time. I did pay Cassidy for the births um, out of my, because I get paid for for births, and I paid Cassidy um, for those births that she helped at. Um, And then, you know, if I wanted to have one of my older kids take care of him so I could work on like really wrapping up a project or something, really working, wrapping up a paper. Or I'm, I'm at the point in my midwifery studies where I have like a bunch of loose ends. And I would really, really, really like to be able to just take some time to just wrap those up. And so I need to look at my calendar and say... What would be a good day to do that when I can not work on business stuff, not work on homeschool stuff, not work on clinicals, but can just sit down and say, I'm going to take four hours, and I'm just going to finish these few assignments and get them submitted to um, to my professor. And that's the kind of thing that I would uh, talk to my older kids about and say, look, I don't know if you guys want to tag team this or whatever, but I want to nurse Phoenix, put them down for, well, actually, I probably put them down for a nap. When he wakes up, I'm going to nurse him and then I'm going to hand him off to you guys and I want you guys to keep him happy for the next two hours so that I have a good four hour stretch to just sit down and knock and the stuff out. So I would pay them for that. That's another option. Another thing that you could sometimes do is trading time with another student who's parenting and say, you know, on this day I'm going to wrangle all the kids for a few hours while you work and then... Um, two days later, you're going to do the same for me sometimes doing that, even though you lose the day that you're watching the other person's kids too, or, you know, you're able to do flashcards, but that's about it. Um, you're you're able to make up for it because you're so productive while she's watching your kids or your baby, and that's a that's an arrangement that can work out really well too. And then of course you can hire a sitter. Another similar thing is to hire a mother's helper, who's usually a younger girl, so twelve or thirteen or so, um, maybe even a little younger, but you know certainly in that that preteen young teen age, who is able to come over maybe after school and she's there while you're there, but she plays with the baby. She handles that sort of thing. Maybe even does a little bit of tidying, doing a little bit of dinner prep for you while you're able to work. And mother's helpers can work for students. They can work if you're running a business from your house, but usually it's, it's relatively quote unquote cheap labor, but you're also helping a a young woman to develop her own mothering skills, and you're giving her a nice, you know, a nice, so it's a blessing to her as well. Uh, So, like I shared before, sometimes you, you know, it helps to leave the baby. Like I shared for my primary, I chose to leave baby. And in some situations, you're going to have to leave baby. So I feel like I really talked about that enough. I'm just coming to it in my outline of things I wanted to cover but do, again, I do encourage you to think about when will I feel ready to leave the baby. And if at all possible, and one of the things that's nice about academics is usually there's flexibility. So it's when you're in a situation like I am in where you're getting down to a to a time deadline that there's less flexibility. But there tends to be more flexibility in the academic world when you say, Okay, you know, I'm going to be able to do this at this point, but I'm going to take my maternity leave. And just think about that. One other thing, and it's really a big thing that I feel has really facilitated me being able to to do this schoolwork and the clinicals with Phoenix is that I have really, really worked, and I'm—I mean, I'll just say it. I know that it's sometimes an anathema when we're talking about like an attachment parenting and gentle parenting kind of world, but. Um, You know, I've basically put Phoenix on a pretty regular schedule. And that has helped me to facilitate getting what I need to get done. And I think it's also been a big thing that has helped facilitate it going well that he goes with me on clinical days. Because he's got a fairly predictable routine and a fairly predictable schedule, and he's learned skills like if I lay him down on the bed, he goes to sleep. Um, and those sorts of things, you know, when it's nap time. So, the, but, but working on that with him has helped me to know when I can, you know, when I can do things. When I can plan to study or like right now, when I can plan to record a podcast, I'm recording the podcast while he's awake because I'm bouncing with him on a birth ball while I do it. In a few minutes, he's going to be ready to go down for a nap and then I'll be able to do quieter work then. You know, so it's just, it's helped to enable me to know what's going on. And I think overall it has helped to um, to lend to him being content. One thing that I've been doing is I do uh, prenatals from a from just after lunch on into the evening on Wednesdays and on Wednesday mornings I've actually been going into town early enough to do some shopping and then go to the library and they have study rooms at the library and I've been uh, doing work and school work there and that's really nice because it's really quiet I'm not getting mama 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 from my other kids. But Phoenix is with me, but because he's got a predictable schedule, I can plan that morning routine so that during his nap time we're driving, um, and then his more of his awake time while we're walking at the store, and then uh, and then he's ready for another nap time again about the time that we get to the library to work. I'm still working on getting him to fall asleep like on a blanket on the floor. He's still he wants to be out of bed. <laughs> um, Because he falls asleep on the bed at home and he sleeps in the office. We have like an actual bed where we do exams. We don't have one of those clinical tables. Um, And he'll sleep on the bed at the office if I lay him there. So like between appointments and stuff, he can catch a little snooze. He will also, of course, sleep in my arms, which is what he often ends up doing in the office when we have back-to-back appointments. But because it's predictable and because he's used to, you know, his kind of sleep schedule, it just makes life easier for me and it makes it easier for me to plan. I know. Are you starting to get tired now? It makes it easier to plan and for me, you know, for me to get, get what I need to get done while also knowing that he's well cared for, that he's getting the rest that he needs and that sort of thing. Um, so the schedule that that we... Now, I'm... I'm not 100% stuck to the schedule for nursing, but for the most part, he naps and then he nurses when he wakes up. Um and then he might have a nibble here and there between, but usually, you know, he's going and then he goes back down for a nap and then he nurses. So at this point, he nurses about every 3 hours, and that's at, you know, at 5 months old. And he may nurse um you know, like I said, he nurses here and there for sure. Between, like, if he's grouchy or something, and I just scoop him up and nurse him. But for the most part, he's pretty content, and he does pretty well. He has about an hour, he has hour and a half naps, and then he's up for about an hour and a half. So they're about three hour cycles right now. And he has a morning nap, a midday nap, um, an uh, afternoon nap, and then an evening nap. So he has four naps a day. But it's working pretty well for us right now. And it again, it helps... It just helps me because I can fit in homeschooling I can fit in work work I can fit in doing some schoolwork every day and I can fit in um, dinner <laughs> which is kind of important too and then he goes to bed and at that time I'm usually exhausted some of you may be night owls and so you can get some work in in the evening but I'm too tired for me it works better to get up early in the morning and put in some work there but I found that when he naps is the time to really work or when I've you know when I've asked somebody else for help and so those are probably the biggest the biggest three pointers that I can give you with juggling schoolwork and a little one or a new baby are don't be afraid to ask for help so ask people if they can help you Um, don't be afraid to say no like, especially in those in those earliest few weeks, if there's any way that you can say no, then do so. Or you may decide, like I did, to do some light academic work, but not really do so much of the clinical component of your training or that sort of thing. And and also, once your baby's gotten bigger, don't be afraid to leave your baby for a little bit, if you need to. It usually goes pretty well. My friend that I shared, that, um, that she's the nurse, and she went back when her kids were um, 12 weeks old around there... So she one of her babies wouldn't take a bottle, and the way that she found that that worked was she you know she advocated for herself and her baby because she wanted to you know to be a nursing mom and so she worked it so that she worked an eight hour shift and she left she nursed the baby, put the baby down to bed, and the baby slept through the night <laughs> and then she got back and and you know eight hours later to to nurse the baby and and they ended up nursing a lot during the day. Because he was sleeping through the night overnight at that age. But that's what worked for her. And again, you see a little bit of a component of um, of deciding on a, a mother more mother-directed schedule there. And I really feel like, for the most part, Phoenix is pretty content and happy. And I think he's definitely secure and attached. One of my favorite things is to go get him up from a nap and see his huge grin when he sees me. And... So I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm actually thinking about doing a podcast talking about, you know, using a gentle schedule or can schedules at all work with a breastfed baby. But again, this has been something that... And, and I'll talk more about that if I do that podcast episode. It's been something that I've built up to really gradually. Um, and uh, it definitely wasn't something that I started like right away in the newborn period. But yeah, so those are the big pointers. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to say no. If you need to let somebody else handle baby for a little bit of time, you know, don't be afraid of that. And things can go well for, for you and baby. So I'll include those related podcasts in the show notes to see if they help you and I hope that sharing my experience and some of my pointers is helpful to you as you figure out how to balance baby and the books thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with kristin burgess for great resources and tons more info visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com